Welcome to the More Business, More Life podcast. This show is for socially conscious leaders, entrepreneurs, CEO founders that have found success, but they yet they don't have the ideal life that they would like. And what we're going to do is bring in concepts and systems so that we can increase business with millions of additional revenue while lowering our work hours, ideally below 40 hours a week. We call this more business, more life. And it's an and, not an or. We don't have to have either or. We can actually systemize this to have both. And those are the concepts we're going to come with each episode. Sometimes we might talk a little bit more about business, sometimes more life, most of the time, both. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. Today, we're going to talk about when do you teach, share, or make a sale? When is the right moment? And what do you need to make that moment work? And how do we not overwhelm someone? So often we get so caught up in our features and benefits. Or if you're coaching, consulting, you want to share that thing. You're like, you just need this thing and you need this and that. And then the person is so overwhelmed, they do nothing. And then we're disheartened because we're actually not getting the result that our heart wants that we really want to help people. So how do we slow down enough and do the right things so that we can truly help more people in just the right ways that it becomes digestible? We do talk about food a few times as metaphors. So, so how do we help this become digestible as soon as possible and truly help the people we want to serve? We're going to go deep on this one. So listen in, take lots of notes. Here we go. Today, we want to talk about helping people. As we do, we are constantly looking to see how we can help, including this podcast. This is a way of helping people, but we just wanted to talk about the ways that we help and even what we look for. And this kind of came up because we get complimented a lot by our sales process where it doesn't feel salesy. And actually, my first book, Capture Clients, Close Deals, a simple way to gain clients without convincing or chasing. And which also is odd to me now because I wrote that back in 2015 and I don't identify as well with the title, Capture Clients, Close Deals. That was, it again, me still sticking to my marketing cleverness and the alliteration, Capture Clients, Close Deals. But it's like, we're not really capturing anything. We're just making it really easy to see if it's a good fit. And so that's where what I do identify really well with a simple way to gain clients without chasing or convincing. And so the, the team here and I were talking about how kind of smooth this is and it never feels salesy. And that's because I think it's really about discovering a match. So whenever I'm talking to anyone I'm usually thinking three things because I always want to give love. So the first thing I'm giving is my attention. I always set an intention, and we've talked about this before on other episodes. My intention is the help, right? So before I even get on a call, before I get on Zoom, before I get on this podcast, I'm thinking, okay, my intention is the help to serve, to give, and in all the ways that I can. And then my second thing is attention. How do I put my attention on the other person? So it's not on me, it's about them, like what's going on in their world, what what are their goals, what are their focuses, what are their uh, challenges, things slowing them down. And by identifying those things, then I can choose typically one of three things. Can I recommend something? Is there a book that I'm thinking that they should read? Uh, or should I refer someone? Is there someone else that I know this person should meet? And then the third is, can I help them? And if I can help them, then then also where we wanted to go with today's podcast is how? How do we do that? Like the actual, any phone call could be help, right? Just by talking to someone, just by seeing them and letting them speak and share and listen, being a good listener, all those things, that's already helping. I found over the years now of doing this, there's so many people in the last three decades that I've worked with that have just comp and it's gotten more because I've gotten really good at it, but definitely in the last 15 years, how many people say, wow, I've never, I haven't had this depth of conversation with anyone or anyone recently. And so even with our significant other, even with our business partners, a lot of times it comes back to time. We don't have the time to have that depth and to have someone give that level of attention. So knowing that, even that is a gift. 
but we were talking about how much to give. So when I first started helping people, the first thing I did was give more. You're like, oh, more value, give more, give more. Like, and to the point where it's overwhelmed. And what happens when you're overwhelmed? You have so much information coming at you that now what do we do? Most of the time, nothing, nothing. Because you're like, oh my gosh. Or it's so much stuff. They're like, oh, no wonder Steve can do that because he's so good at it. I I'll never be that good. Now I've, I've ruined it. Like I've actually made it really bad. And I did do this. I, I thought, and this is a common thing of people that start teaching that I've noticed we want to give more and we're, we're like more value. We always hear like the more value we give, which is true, but the value is not on the level of information. That's what's the, that's what the confusing part is. So what I found the best way I can help someone is to figure out what one thing what one thing could I help insert or take away? And it's, see, sometimes it's not even inserting. Maybe there's something that is a bad habit or there's something that's inhibiting their success and we can remove that obstacle. So, so what obstacle could be removed or what thing could be added? And the reason I bring this up is because sometimes we come in so strong with all of these things. Here's a whole book. Here's the, the 24 steps to success. Let's get going. Oh, and then people are like, oh, and then nothing happens and it's sad. So sometimes as coaches, consultants, speakers, teachers, we need to know how much to give. And then here's the key thing that I want to really focus on more of today too, is then it's about holding the hand, holding their hand. Because the first thing is telling maybe a story then teaching a lesson about this one thing, again, being one thing. And then how do we help them create that habit or remove limiting beliefs so that they're not, they're not stuck with it, which brings to the whole reason that we thought this subject would be good today is what to give and how much to give at any point so that you can actually create change in someone's life and not do what I've just said, overwhelm them, give them too much. And this is a common mistake when we're giving so much love that even on a free phone call, let's say you have a 10 minute call or a 30 minute call with someone and you can help them. And then you start giving all that help and then they hang up probably happy and feeling good that you were willing to give so much. And then they do nothing. Most people end up not taking action for whatever reason they're overwhelmed or they don't do it. And so what I've found over the years is that people that engage with me, like in some sort of coaching or consulting uh, scenario, they tend to get the results because then it's not just the knowing. And I often say this people, when you say knowledge is power, I've had people start to argue with me and they say, how is knowledge power? It's just information. And I'm like, well, that's where you're, you're misunderstanding the word. Knowledge, if you break it down in the etymology, knowledge is knowing, leveraged, knowledge, knowledge. You're knowing something and you're leveraging it. So knowing something, giving someone information. So let's say I have a 10 minute call and I'm like, oh, I know exactly the information this person needs. Okay, that's one step but it doesn't become powerful until that person uses the information, leverages it, then it becomes knowledge. Now they have change in their life. And so that's the second part to coaching consulting is helping them create the information into a useful tool through changing their habits, through changing their belief systems. And so I personally have made the mistake because I'm so excited and I'm like, I know the thing. Let me tell you what you need. And then nothing changes and it's heartbreaking. Like for me, it's heartbreaking to see people continue to struggle. So I think, I guess what I'm saying is sometimes you have to hold back as a teacher. And I know Melissa and Giovanni, you were jumping in with some amazing metaphors around this, but I think we're I don't, and I did definitely add to what we were talking about right now, but it really is how much to give or how fast or how much. 
Yeah. I think I think the other thing too is we were we spent some time talk, just talking about how the little things make such a big difference, especially when you are transitioning into something or getting ready to take action maybe you've never taken before. And so having somebody there not only as a guide but in a just to as an accountability partner even for whatever it is you're doing can make such a huge difference in how you accelerate to your goal. But one of the things we were talking about is reminded me of a lesson that a minister had provided years ago that through my husband. So I wasn't even there, but yet I still have this analogy in my head because of the way my husband described it to me. And the minister was talking about how often people serve the food too hot. And so when you talk about whatever it is you're presenting, whether it be the word or whatever knowledge you're passing along, a lot of times we just expect people to eat the food too hot. And if you have ever eaten a meal that's too hot, you can't hold it in your mouth. It's just like, huh? you can't talk, burning your tongue, you're moving it around. And so a lot of times we have to make sure that when you talk about giving them too much information at one time, you have to make sure that they're ready to receive it. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. But it it really, yes, make it digestible. <laughs> so it's kind of like eating that whole elephant, right? You can't you can't eat a whole elephant. <laughs> yeah, or or anything, right? You put a whole pizza in front of someone and you start stuffing it, have them stuff it down their throat. It could have been the best tasting pizza, but at that point, taste is out the window. Now you're just trying to breathe, right? And then, and then, and it's, and then that's even worse because sometimes if it burns your mouth, then are you going to take that second bite? Or if you choke, are you going to even take a second bite? You might reject the whole thing and say it doesn't work. And that's where you have people say, oh my gosh, of course it works. And now you're saying it doesn't work because they tried it in the wrong way. It was too hot. It was forced. Yeah. I love it, Melissa. It's, yeah, don't serve it up too hot. You're going to hurt the people. So then this is the opposite. Here we are trying to help someone and then we hurt them. I'd say along those lines too. I actually like Giovanni's analogy though. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to share that. Um, but I also wanted to say though too, it's like if you are a coach, consultant, speaker, teacher, whatever the title may be, you got in that profession for a reason and you wanted to help people. And so it's always often hard, right? Cause you want to do some good. You want to give them in. Like, you're just like, if you don't restrain yourself, right. Kind of like just throw it in their face, kind of getting to what most was about to say is like, is like Jim Rohn has a, a great analogy to it is, is like, if you have somebody over for dinner and you have this amazing steak, you have a couple of ways you can serve it to them, right? You can put on a nice plate and give them the silverware, or you can throw it across the room and have a steak in the face kind of a thing. He's like, don't do the steak in the face, like present it to them nicely where they can eat at their own pace and they can have it the way they like it rather than just having a steak in the face kind of thing. But it's making it so that you know, first, like finding out what they're, they're challenged with and then knowing that you can help them and then providing it in the right context and the right moment kind of a thing. And you were saying this earlier off off at our meeting was that it's you don't want to give it to them in like 30 seconds. If you have a solution and you're on a quick 10 minute, 30 minute call, you don't want to give them the solution in like two minutes when it, the actual solution takes a lot more time and some hand holding and guidance and changing some beliefs or whatnot. Like you want to be able to see that transition and I think a lot of times we just get stuck in like, just like, oh, I know, I know the answer. I can tell you the answer. And then most people are just like, oh, that's nice. And then just walk on. Yeah. Well, think of it as like a bike, Giovanni. Like this is a good metaphor that I always like to add to what you're saying is if you're tell someone how to ride a bike, you're like, you just get on, you balance and you pedal. You need momentum. So make sure you keep moving because if you stop, it's harder to balance. So when you, as you're moving, okay, good luck. And then you leave like, how many people learn to ride a bike that way? Probably rare, if ever, right? So they're going to need, okay, this is the bike. Now get on. Now either have training wheels or you hold the back of the seat. 
that's where the coaching comes in. How much information we are leaving or revealing. And then also, how are you allowing them to feel it with you accompanying them? And I want to say this doesn't just go to coaches, consultants, speakers, teachers. Yes, it does. But also think of anybody selling a product or service. I see it all the time. And this is where the dilemma with sales training, where they're like, you have to express the features and benefits. You know, then then again, you're doing the same thing. You're overwhelming them with information and nothing is changing. So that's where, to your point, Giovanni, you have to extrapolate the needs in their language right so that's why we have to be inquisitive we have to be curious we have to ask lots of questions and say what's the one thing because there might be eight things i can help you with but what's the one thing that's going to get you to move to take action and to give you the highest result first so that is an investigation right and we don't want them to feel like they're being interrogated so we have to be in good rapport we have to ask a lot of great questions so that we can find the one thing that i can i can offer to you and then walk with you so i could we could describe how to ride a bike in one minute but we might have to go spend days or a week outside on a bike to become proficient in riding it and you're going to do it a lot quicker if someone's running next to you on the bike giving you guidance pedal more hold this steady okay watch your balance like you're right there with them does that hopefully that add a little descriptors to what you're saying giovanni fantastic as always so i'd ask you then steve how how you found because you are a very passionate person and if you want to help somebody like how have you found a ways of like reach like i don't know if restraining is the right word but like holding yourself back knowing that when you have that container to teach them properly if you will like the time frame and all this stuff how have you found like helping yourself like slow down to then be like okay i, I know i can help you but it needs kind of be in this this way so that you actually get the value and make the actual change that you want to you want to have in your life it does take restraint <laughs> like and 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 it's something that i still make mistakes on i get so excited to help someone that i i do too much and it still happens from time to time but a lot less so i think one thing that i learned so what helped me and maybe by saying this this will help you speed it up because for me part of it was experience through the experience of of trying to do too much too fast i would lose people i always use the metaphor of someone hanging off a cliff and then I would run up, grab my hand, grab my hand, grab my hand. They're hanging on the cliff. And you're like almost yelling at them, right? I mean, I'm again, I'm using this in storytelling. And when we give a lot of information, we're telling them what to do without necessarily. So one thing is having their permission. I mean, this is, I think, so often we forget to say, would you like my help? Would you like my help? So that's the first thing. Does the person want help? Too often in my early years, I just assumed and that's not good, right? Then you're like giving unsolicited advice in a way, like people aren't even ready for it, nor do they want it. And that's what helps with like being super curious. Then the so then the second part I have to say is what I've noticed over the years helped me, Giovanni. One, if I help someone in five minutes, yes, I can maybe get them thinking. If I get, let's say I do a keynote speech or I'm, with someone for an hour, I can maybe inspire them. And some people will take enough action to get a result out of that. But what I do know is if I spend like six months, three months, six months or a year with someone, those are the people that I can massively change. And if you want to feel this out yourself, just imagine if you're with someone for five minutes, one hour, or if you're with them for three months, or if you're with them a year, like who do you think you're going to help more? then that's what slows me down. It's like, okay, we don't have to fix everything today. That Don't assume that you're going to die tomorrow in that moment, right? I mean, that's where we get, and you might not be the teacher. Another thing that I learned from one of my mentors is that people have many teachers in their life. And you, you have to, sometimes we force ourselves to fix everything. So imagine there's a rusty bolt in someone's life and they need to remove that bolt and you come and if you put the pressure on yourself as the the teacher coach consultant or the product or service that's the solution for that 
and you need to do all of that, sometimes you might be the one that breaks it loose. Maybe you finally get the bolt loose and then you're turning and turning, but it's a really long bolt and you're turning and turning. And then maybe they're going to not work with you for a period of time and they get a different coach and they do the last turn and the bolt comes out. Like who's responsible for all that change? Like, is it the person that pulls the bolt out? Sometimes they get the win, right? Like, oh my gosh, it's out. But it was all those other turns. And sometimes it might be like 12 different coaches. They all got turns in, right? Like, oh, I got more stuck. We need more lubrication here. Okay, we're getting we're getting it out. It's a team of people. And so I guess what I'm why am I saying all this to your question, Joanny? Is like I have to identify what's most important for them. So I have to ask good questions. I have to come to the people that want the help. Like I have to ask, would you like help? And then I have to know that there's a process, know that it's going to take time. And I think I too often rushed it. It's not always saving someone from a burning building, especially when beliefs are involved and habits. We don't change all our beliefs and all our habits in one day. Even if you wanted it, think about it. If you got all of your birthday presents today for the rest of your life, how boring would that be? That's a, a quote from Michelle Masters. I love, like, if you got all the gifts you were ever going to get today, or if you got all the meals that you're going to eat for the rest of your life today, like, what good is that? No, you don't want that. So, as a coach, consultant, speaker, teacher, a product or service that's making changes in his life, we know there's going to be a time period. So I have to register that in my mind. So that's what helps me. So back to the question to summarize, it's all those layers I know. And here I am talking about doing less, but let me break it down. I need to one, ask permission. Do they want help? Number two, I have to restrain myself and say, okay, I can't dump a whole pile on them. That's not good. I have to give them the one thing. And in order to do that, I need to ask good questions to find the one thing. And then I need to be there to see it. So it's like you have to teach it and then experience, help them experience it, see them do it. Going back to the bike analogy. Yeah, I could tell you about a bike, but we got to get out there on the bike and I need to hold the seat so they don't fall on their face. Does that help break it down? I'm just laughing at myself because I almost feel like I did it. I almost feel like I gave too much information, but I gave, I think a lot of metaphors but then it did break down into simple steps. But see, even this, I'm just going to pick on myself right now. That was kind of a lot. I think it's kind of the nature of helping, right? I mean, sometimes, depending on the scenario, it can be something very simple, right? But if we're talking about life-changing things, whether it's your business or making changes within your life itself, personal life, like it's going to take time and it's going to take... Things can be simple, but they can have a lot of steps to it, right? And it might not always be easy for it. And then just setting it, it is, it's going to take sometimes a lot of explaining to do, to do things, to do it properly, possibly, right? Again, you can tell somebody 30 seconds how to fix something. And if they're super smart or they have some kind of past experience that helps them be like, oh, okay, yeah, I got you. There's, there's some people that can do that, right? Some people who've had the experience in life where leading up to that moment of getting a piece of information or learning something like, oh, oh, like things just kind of click and they're like, okay, yeah, I can do this. But then most people, like even myself included, I see tons and tons of stuff because I'm always, I'm the researcher, right? I'm always researching stuff, looking up stuff and I see some stuff, more and more stuff. But I saw something from Alex Tramosi. He, he, I love his approach to like life and his things about like, it was about confidence and it's like, it's like I have confidence in myself just because I put in the reps. Like I, I did the work and I stepped into like it's been a process. He's like, so I don't have to have like the like it was kind of like like affirmations of me being able to do it is because I've done it. Like I put the the work, I, the steps. It's like I've, I've taken the thousand, ten thousand steps to get to this point so that I, I can be like, yeah, no, I don't need to believe in myself. I know I can do it kind of a thing. And it took like it takes that it takes that time to build it up. Yeah. Where experience meets confidence is what you're describing. Because as you experience something, you're going to have more confidence. There's so many areas that we were beginners at. And I think that's often what what we do as adults. We think that we have to be a master of any new task. We forget that there's the process and the experience that you're describing, Giovanni, and that 
we have to let ourselves be a beginner over and over and over and over. I don't know where I randomly saw a video starting to pick up some pace on some social media. So I was like looking around a little bit and some guy had a tattoo that said beginner on his arm. And he's like, it's a life lesson for me. I'm always going to be a beginner and I need to remind myself that I'm a beginner. And what am I a beginner at? There's things that I was a beginner at and I'm no longer a beginner, but how many things was I a beginner? And I guess he said it started with surfing. So he like put it on there. So he's out there and it said beginner. So like everyone would know he's like a beginner surfer and it's like right there on his shoulder. But he said, now I carry that with me in everything in life. I'm always a beginner or something. And I think we lose that someplace as an adult. Many adults do because we're no longer willing to have that. And I think that's where going back to the the length of time where you're kind of extrapolating further, Giovanni, is that sometimes there is this process and we need to, like for some of us, we need to see it. Some of us can like jump in and go, but some of us need to see that there's 12 steps and I'm on step one. So you might hear all 12 steps. You might not understand them all. But I'm on step one. I know what to do at step one. Someone's starting to teach me on step two. I'm I'm going. I'm going to go on this trip. It's like, okay. So kind of knowing where you are, but then letting yourself start is the beginner part. So let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back. I just want to have an expression of gratitude right now for Pro Audio Voices. They're the ones that uh, produce my podcast and Becky and her team are amazing. And for those of you that know me, I'm all about WOW clients, WOW partners, and Pro Audio Voices is a WOW partner for me. And if you want to learn more, you can go to ProAudioVoices.com and you can learn about them. They also do audiobooks, and they're just amazing people. Thank you, Becky. I was just going to jump in and just say that everything that you're talking about, you and Giovanni, it reminded me of, I remember working with Steve way back when, this was years ago, and working out of corporate, you always walk into a meeting with the solution, right? It's like, I'm going to tell you what I have, and magically, whether I know what your challenge is or not, my solution is the best thing. So I'm going to tell you about all the features and how it's going to help you and everything. And I think it was, I don't know, I was, uh, it was kind of uh, mind boggling, I think, because in that world, it was like you always walk in with a presentation and here's how you can do it, right? And Steve would just walk in with himself no real agenda, at least that we knew of. And he would just ask questions and just like, oh, well, and it, it just goes to the level of confidence and customization that you come with. Because <laughs> I don't think most people are like, hey, I'm creating a product and I'm just trying to set, resell the product. But you have this whole like, just a totally different view of how to really connect and engage, not only with people, but with people that are leading these companies. I mean, it's it's transformative for the culture at a company or who they're even connecting with as they sell their product. It's amazing. Well, and this goes to prove that it's not just for coaches, consultants, and speakers. You might think that that's what we're talking about, but when I had my marketing firm, I walked into a, a billion dollar company and I won't get into how I got that lead, but that was even special. But I'm going into a billion dollar company and I'm a small boutique marketing firm. Very small. I think I can't remember. Then I walk into the room and I had to travel to their headquarters. It was in a different city than mine. So I traveled there and I walk in and bigger than my whole company. I'm not kidding. There was more people in the lobby from another ad agency and I saw their their name on their bag and I knew them. They were a billion dollar ad agency. So here's a billion dollar ad agency going to a billion dollar company. And that typically works. They feel safe with their like kind, right? Like they're a billion dollar company, we're a billion dollar company. And then here's little me, like to Melissa's point. And I just had my briefcase and I was by myself. And I went to the receptionist there and, and they're like, 
I don't know why they're here so early. Your meeting is first. And I was like, I thought, so I was wondering if I was like, had my wrong time or whatever. And she's like, no, no, you're, you're first. So then she's like, just wait a minute. And, and I'm going to meet the chief marketing officer for this company. So they call my name and I go, and, and there was some turmoil because they were like, what? And they, and I just also want to back up. They had boards and everything. And they're like practicing in the lobby and like had their whole campaign, Melissa. This is what I, they already created the whole marketing campaign before this is typical. Like, right. You come, like Melissa just said, I must come with all the solution. I didn't have any of that because what I found is when I did that, then it was sophomoric. Maybe I would hit it. That's like closing your eyes, blindfolding and shooting the arrow. Maybe you're going to hit the target. Maybe, maybe. And my problem with a lot of marketing firms is they're so clever. And even I was, I went to film school. That was my biggest dilemma at the beginning of my marketing career. I was too clever for my own good. I would come up with all these things and they weren't good. Like even now I brought up my book. Capture clients, close deals. Yeah, it sounds, it has the alliteration. And from a marketing standpoint, it, it checks some boxes that you teach in Marketing 101, but it actually doesn't really do justice for my book. And I am retitling it, by the way. But so I still make these mistakes from time to time. And so at this moment, I walk in and then I have to go further because the chief market officer is like on his phone. He sees, he looks at me, sees I have my my briefcase. He's like, you can plug in there and then it'll project your presentation. He's just assuming again. So even not only do they expect, they it's not only that I, a lot of people come with the presentation, they expect it, right? It's so common. So I said, well, um, I might show you something. Right away, he puts his phone down. He's like, what? You don't have anything to show? Like immediately on it. Oh my gosh, you're wasting my time, right? And I said, well, I have a lot of things I could show you, but I really need to ask you some serious questions so that I can better understand what's going on so that I can uh, give you the right things. I don't want to just guess here. And he said, okay, that's fair enough. We go into an hour plus conversation and this person actually sheds a tear. It gets emotional. Like we go really, really deep. And I ask all the questions and find out stuff that, was not in the RFP. Uh, I found out extra information that no one else had because I was in such rapport and showed so much care. And then at the end, I said, you know what? I, I can help you. I'm, I'm pretty sure I can help you. We need to make a better plan. I don't even think that your RFP is really the answer, what you're asking for. And here's why. And I had the information because I was able to ask those questions. And I said, I think we need to make a deeper marketing plan and I'll charge this much to do that plan. By the way, this was for a $100,000 test ad campaign. So I offered a, a marketing plan around 10 grand. So a, a 10, a 10th of what they were asking. And he said, yes, right there in the room. Yes. And that's another thing. See, this is, goes back to the whole thing of giving too much. If I would have tried to go for the hundred grand sophomorically with not enough information, Maybe then I would have been bidding against the billion dollar company. Now I left that room with a client. I didn't get the whole campaign. He was still going to meet with the other company, which by the way, they turned down. And by the time we finished the plan for the $10,000 and I was able to do a deep due diligence with them. And by the way, meet the CEO too. I required in that planning process that I could interview the CEO which it was real. I really wanted to hear the vision from the CEO. So I truly honestly want that. But guess what else it gave me? When I went to propose my plan, the CEO knew me. So when they go to get the approval, and guess what happened? They approved a $500,000 budget. They believed so much in the plan when we were done. They said, forget the trial. Let's just go. Let's do the 500, let's do this 500,000 that we were earmarking for this initial campaign. And we ran with it. And guess what else happened? That other ad agency, they called me. They called my office. They're like, hello, do you know us? I'm like, of course I know you. Like even before I did this meeting thing, I knew them. They're a huge ad agency. And this is the vice president. And, I, and, and then they're like, Okay, well, then I'm just going to be really direct. I'm like, okay. They're like, how in the world did you beat us? No, 
with your little company, right? And and then, <laughs> I mean, was, I can't make this stuff up. I, they hired me. <laughs> they hired me to better help their sales team. I'm like, oh my gosh, this can't be happening. So not only did I go in open without a presentation, land this huge account, end up making it five times the budget, I also got hired by the company that lost me because they were baffled that they wanted my consulting. And I wasn't thinking of competition. Like I, I, at an earlier age, I already realized that I am who I am. And if I, who doesn't matter, like people are going to hire me. Otherwise, if I worried about competition, I wouldn't have even got into the marketing game. How many marketers are there? Like so many, right? That's like saying, oh, I better not do it. There's already too many people. I better not play baseball because there's already baseball players. I better not be a marketer because there's already marketers. Like, so I say, forget that. Even if I know the same thing as someone else, some people are going to resonate and want to work with me. Some are going to want to resonate and work with someone else. So, so even that confidence. So I guess I was, that story has a lot of layers in it, but it's really real to this because Again, I did not give too much. I only gave a little bit, but it was enough of the right thing. Because what does a chief marketing officer want? To not risk, right? They're about to spend 500000 And what I found out is they were losing money. They were hemorrhaging money in their marketing campaign, not getting an ROI. So I'm like, well, why would we do more of the same? We need to make a new plan. And then it was like, well, duh. Okay, let's do that. I mean, it's like the boat is sinking, water's coming in. Do we keep patching holes or do we go build a new boat? And that chief market officer said, yeah, you're right, Steve. Let's build a new boat. I love hearing that story. It's not the first time I've heard that story, but I love that story for so many reasons. Maybe coming from a marketing background and seeing, being on the other side of it and being coached to deliver just these big, beautiful presentations with so much information and so many layers to it. And then coming in and starting to work with you and and totally doing things different and having results that I had never had before. So I always love hearing that story just from the closeness, but also I think it goes back to everything we started talking about, like how do we best help people? And it really does come down to the sales process. And it's And it's like you said, I mean, sales, that word may have some feelings around it or some connotations with it, but it really is how do we discover a match? And I think like just knowing how I was able to adopt the sales process that we use now, but years ago when I was in a different industry and how that just totally changed things for me because it is about being certain that you can help that person and how do we know what to give them and how to make that recommendation with confidence unless we go back and ask the right questions. And when you're doing it in that way, it doesn't feel icky. It doesn't feel like sales. It's super authentic because we are coming from a place of love and caring and like truly wanting to help. So it does start there with that really good intention. But then like, what are the steps to make sure that we can uncover that so that we can say like, I actually am confident that I can help you. Would you like my help? And then you're getting that permission then to just give them that next best step. But you're not going, man, I just, I'm sure I could ask some questions, but the steak that I have over here is just phenomenal. Like I'm just going <laughs> to throw that steak at them. And I, I definitely am guilty of throwing some steaks before I met you <laughs> for sure. But when I changed it, I mean, and the word close, we've been talking about that. But I think even my director, we had gotten on a call and I was being introduced or they were sharing something and he was like, her closing ratio is 86%. And so all the other salespeople were like, what? And that's like not even possible. And it's like, okay, maybe I had fewer opportunities or fewer presentations, but going into that presentation, I had gotten permission the whole way. I'd gotten clarity. I knew exactly what they wanted and I knew that I could give it to them. So I would tell them. And then when you're when you're in those scenarios too, you're able to have a different era of like really good confidence where you can say, if I invite you to work with me, I'm certain it's because I know what I have is gonna like be the bridge to the solution that you're looking for. And if I don't feel that way, like I 
I am not trying to waste your time. I'm not trying to waste my time. And I want you to get a really good result so that you stay with me. Like I'm building. I'm not just trying to have as many clients as I can so I can say that. But I wanted to do business in a really good way. So I never felt like that. Use Carl's salesman. I just, I always wanted to help. And then putting these little adjustments, like implementing these little processes that we have this certain way, like at every step, starting from like way before the conversation to way after they become a client, it just sort of changed, changes everything. So and it really goes to all of these things that we're just giving the right amount at the right moment and we're really getting clarity. And then we can have the certainty that we can help them. And so going back to the person hanging off the cliff, now I can go and say, hey, are, are you okay? No, I'm not. Yeah, I can kind of see that. How long How long have you been hanging here? A long time. How much longer can you hang there? Not long. Well, is there anything I can do? Well, maybe if I had a rope, if I had a rope, I could pull myself up. Okay. Would you like me to get you a rope? Yes, please. Now you might be saying, wow, that's crazy. You said, grab my hand. How is that any different than getting the rope? Well, for that person, it's everything. Maybe they're not ready to release. Maybe like grabbing someone's hand is giving up on themselves. Maybe they need to pull on the rope themselves and help themselves. Because you have to remember that this is why they say the teacher appears when the student is ready. And the thing that I've learned over the years is that teacher might have always been there watching and waiting for the right moment. And you have to allow that to be there. And then that's how we genuinely help people. And then it doesn't feel salesy. It's what Stephanie just said. You're truly discovering a match. And then you can have an 87% closing ratio because who to offer to? You only offer to the people that actually need it, right? And that's, you're not just offering like the whole main sales approach for many decades was share it with as many people as possible and someone's going to buy, right? You just throw as many steaks as you can and someone will get a bite. Oh yeah, that tastes good. Can you throw another one? You're like, no, we don't do that. Do you even want steak? Are you vegetarian? Would you like East Indian food? What, what, what do you like? And then let's serve that exact meal perfectly in that exact way for that person and the right amount. Do you need a full meal? Are you looking for a snack? Are you just looking for a glass of water? Do you even know? And if you can help people figure out, because sometimes people think they want one thing and it's really something else that they need. So yeah, when you do it in that way, a lot less cooking. (laughs) That's exhausting. (laughs) Yeah, you stop guessing. You stop guessing and you start knowing. It's the same with the marketing director. The story I just told you, the chief marketing officer, he put out an RFP. He thought he knew what he wanted, but because of my questioning, I was like, oh my gosh. I need something else. You're totally right, Steve. So hopefully this helps. And that's why we have to slow down. You can't get on a phone call and just start pitching people. You can't get on a phone call and just assume what they need. Do you really know? So that's where the first part of slowing down is. Slow down to learn more about the person and find out what's really going on, right? And then give them the right amount, Right. And, and, and before you even do, before you do any giving, you have to ask permission. Would you like a rope? Would you like my help? Would you like a better marketing plan? And then you save. So that's even to Stephanie's point, your power becomes larger. Why did you have 87% closing ratio? Because you only devoted your attention and energy to the presentations that you knew that you could help. And you didn't do a hundred presentations. You did far fewer and you did them on point and you're like laser focused and you hit exactly what they needed. And then that's why you had such a high closing ratio. And so this goes back to more business, more life. You're spending less energy with a higher result in, in, in less time. You're going to have more life and more abundance by using these things. These, these lessons that we're teaching here. Game changer. It's really huge. And so back to the very beginning, don't overgive too soon. Don't over present. Don't over, don't pitch. I mean, just don't even pitch. Just stop it. Stop pitching. No pitching. There's no pitching. There's only asking questions and then 
delivering on the result of those answers. Period. That's it. And I guess that's how I that's how I give less with higher results because I am willing to slow down, ask the right questions, and give them what they want while it's coupled with what they need. Because to Stephanie's point, sometimes people don't even know what they need. A lot of times, right? That's why we're stuck. If you knew what you needed, you would already have it. Most of the time. Most of the time. So what else? Are there any other comments? We're coming to the end of this. I mean, I guess what's everyone's biggest takeaway from this conversation and or any other questions or comments? I guess the whole less is more thing and be able to hold back when you want to give, like making sure it is appropriate. And if you are gaining permission, if you are asking like, would you like my help? And then sort of team that up for when it's appropriate instead of just offering without asking is really, it's really good. It's really like there's beauty in that simplicity. And again, whether it's like coaching, marketing, a product or a service, and we even talking about it a lot, even like with our clients, like how can we give them so much value? Like what are all the layers? What are all the levels? Like how do we meet people where they're at and then use our process to figure out where are they at? What's appropriate? Where do we fit them in? And sometimes it's just helping them a little and then allowing them to get to that next place where we can help them a lot. And it can be that way with a product or a service as well. Like what you have multiple products or services, like what are the levels and like, where is it appropriate to bring people in and grow with them? So yeah, yeah, I think that's just reinforces a lot of the things we've been talking about as a team. I just add a visual, like right where you're saying that it's like having a baby and then going crib side and say, okay, let me tell you everything child. (laughs) Here we go. Okay. This is what you need to know. Year one, year two, year three. Okay, when you start driving, I want you to do this and that. That's not appropriate. Like, it's all, none of it goes in, right? And so I think this is what we do. I try to, if you hang around with me, you start getting some ridiculous metaphors, but I try to take it to the ridiculous so it's memorable and you actually can feel it. Like, who would do that? Who would teach their child at the crib side, right when they're born, their whole life lessons for everything? Stop assuming that this is the last time you're going to be with someone. I was just telling the team today, I have a call on Friday with someone that I met seven years ago. We never officially worked together, but over the seven years, I just kept in touch, kept in touch. And we have a meeting on Friday and maybe they'll work with us. Maybe they won't. And I've had times like that where it took years for them to learn a lesson. I've had clients for over a decade now, the same client over a decade, because Every year they needed something different. So also don't rush your relationships either. Like you don't walk out. I hope you don't walk outside and find the person you're going to marry. Hey, you, what's your name? Great. Let's get married. Like you don't do that. Like everything takes a little more time, right? You got to get to know each other and hope that you find those matches. Discover match. Take the time. Take the time. I was going to say, I think one of the big lessons that I always take away after conversations like this with you, especially is coming from corporate and and a very brand centric corporate people look to us for information and we were expected to tell them what their solution was, (laughs) but having transitioned out, it's kind of like the one thing that is screaming in my head right now, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's it's about helping other people. And I think a lot of times we forget the person sitting across from us is looking for some help. And maybe we're the ones that can help them and maybe we're not. But go in with that information, understand what they're being challenged with, And then you can actually figure out whether you can help or not. Because in a lot of cases, you don't even have to have them say no. You should already know that you're not the one to help them. (laughs) So I just say my biggest takeaway is I just constantly remind myself, it's not about me. (laughs) I'm with you on that, Melissa. Beautiful. Well said. 
Love it. Yeah, I will leave. It's very similar to what Melissa said, just in Giovanni fashion. Slow down, ask the right questions, listen, and listen some more. And then we can say decide after that. Yeah, decide what to do and then offer that first step, the appetizer, not the whole pizza. Don't eat it too hot. Don't eat it too hot. And stop throwing food at people. <laughs> right? No steak on the face. Oh, oh <laughs> great stuff. Awesome. Well, I hope this is helpful. Like how to teach and and remember if you're selling anything or, or educating anyone, even education is a sale, right? You're you're invoking a new thought in someone's mind. So just remember all of these things. It's so, so beautiful. And as we close, I just want to remind you, if you love this podcast and you're getting value from it, please subscribe to our newsletter. You just have to go to stevenopleton.com and you'll see the button right there to right on the front page, join our newsletter. And it's something that we give away for free with a lot of knowledge. Right now we've been sharing some archived stories of clients that have taken these things and changed their life. And so we're sharing some of those along with new things. And it gets you uh, notified of these new podcasts as soon as they come out. So we find it highly valuable. The people that subscribe to the list got a tremendous amount of value and we hope you do too. So please subscribe to our newsletter and it's the best thing. It's free. You can just start consuming more information around this at the right pace for you. As always, we love you so much and we look forward to having you on the next episode. And remember, until then, choose gratitude and create freedom. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenopleton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenopleton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenopleton.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.